Shamai Achroisov. Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. I'm Gideon. And I am Richard. Today we have a special guest for you. His name is Jazz Michael King. He is a Chief Technology Officer and Data Privacy Advocate. He is the founder of Toot Wales, a new social media network built to encourage bilingualism online while also providing a more private social media experience. He was born in Cardiff, uh, but grew up in Llanlisted, Vower, South Glamorgan. After stints in England and France, he came to New York in the mid-90s, where his arrival coincided with the explosion of the internet. Yeah, and after founding and then selling his own internet startup, Merlin Web, Jazz moved into healthcare, which is where he now resides as an expert in health informatics, quality improvement, and public reporting. We had an expansive and open conversation around Jazz's experiences in New York, uh, including founding Brooklyn's first youth rugby club, riding the dot-com boom, and how founding one of the largest online government conspiracy forums culminated in several run-ins with the FBI. We talk about a lot of different topics with Jazz, but I think the one thing that emerged for me, and one thing I'll take away from it, is the fact that he's really been on this lifelong crusade for a more transparent, um, but also free access to the internet, and by virtue of that, the world's resources. Hmm. Without further ado, we give you Jazz Michael King. So did you boys both watch the match this morning? Not me. I was fast asleep. You were fast asleep? Why was that? I didn't get in until 4.30 last night. From work, not from drunken revelings. Okay, well then you, you have an excuse. You're excused. Jazz, did you watch it? I did. I watched both games. I can tell because you're still wearing your jersey. Still wearing the jersey. I didn't go out for it because I'm getting over the flu, but... Uh, what's on the big screen at home? Nice. Tooted as I went. Nice. Any thoughts? Um, well, obviously, first real honest to goodness match with Pivak in charge. Um, interesting to see a big change up in the attacking uh, plays. Still seems to be Gatlin defense with Pivak attack, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, scoreless, no spoilers. I'm sure people have seen the score by now. So, scoreless for Italy. Bit of a rest week, all things considered. Um, so, spe- speaking of rugby, Jazz, so from what I understand, you're pretty, you're pretty involved in rugby in the community here in New York. Is that right? To some extent, for sure, yeah. Yeah, is it, and it's only coaching? Yeah. Um, so, my, my boy, Ian, was, was born in Brooklyn. And... Uh, there were no real options for him in rugby. Uh, I think maybe around 2005 or so, the uh, New York charity Play Rugby USA started, or I heard of it for the first time, and they were primarily in schools. Uh, but they did do a weekend sort of community club thing, and uh, it was a very poor turnout. Uh, you know, half a dozen kids on the field. So... I'm never one to not try a thing. And uh, working with, you know, when you have a kid, you have all the the other parents of other kids and all those kids are around. And so I set up uh, a rugby clinic in Prospect Park, called it um, the Brooklyn Dragons. Um, (laughs) Solid name. And I think we started with maybe 15, 20 kids. And it grew and grew, and it, it became quite the thing. And it was one of the few sort of community efforts in New York City. And we had kids coming in from New Jersey and Westchester and all over New York and Long Island 
people just wanted to try it out and it, it was an easy sort of Sunday morning thing and uh, kids loved it. We just it was, yeah. it was a nice easy program and because there wasn't that much rugby in New York at the time for kids, youth rugby, um, we would scrimmage against the uh, play rugby teams they would invite us to that and then they ended up putting together a new york city uh mayor's cup which has grown and grown and now has you know 40 50 60 teams turning up at this point no way yeah it's huge that's great um remember at the new york welsh christmas party you told me that when you first came to new york you hosted your own radio show a little bit like our humble podcast here what what was that (laughs) what was what was the the topic what was the so um when I, when I came to Brooklyn in 96, and uh, I worked at a French bakery deli place for a while, but uh, the internet, the web was kicking off something huge here. And so I, I quit and started uh, uh, an internet company. Right. This was, is it Merlin? Merlin Web. Yeah. Merlin Web, right. And there was just so much money floating about that everyone wanted to sell anything to any web company of any kind. And a radio station reached out to me and asked if we would want to promote ourselves on the radio. And I said, well, what what are your options? And one of them was to host an hour talk show once a week on uh, AM radio. But we wanted to turn it into, you know, one of the first internet streaming radio undertakings. And uh, I always enjoy doing something I've never done before. It's one of my favorite things is just to try things and see how it works. And uh, I had a, a chap who rented an office from me in the, the where I had the business in Brooklyn. And the two of us got to talking and we thought we could do sort of a fake news we were both very cynical about a lot of the internet hullabaloo at the time. Fake news satire? Yeah. yeah. I, a mix of two. We would just sort of sprinkle Before in. Before the term became something else. Before the term, right. right yes. Like a Motley Fool-esque kind of... Yeah, we spoke of, you know, internet-enabled toasters and all that sort of things. <laughs> I'm sure there's a There probably is yeah, now. I'm, I know. I'm pretty sure there is, actually. It yeah. dates me, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we didn't have internet-enabled much of anything back then. And uh, so we decided to do it, and it was um, it was a little bit about the internet, the internet startup community, the the various kinds of companies that were springing up into existence. Uh, we would have a guest around uh, either business startup or, or internet or technology or something along those lines, and you know we wrote a bunch of nonsense about things that weren't really true and sprinkled that in and uh we had a dial-in portion it was uh it was a blast um back then the word podcast had not been invented we used uh something real media and uh streamed and you know we had on demand uh radio on demand okay that was on pretty, demand that's radio pretty broadcasting so with, with the internet uh, was... the streaming portion of that do you get uh reports back about your listenership there was very little analytics back then. Uh, we didn't know if it was one or a thousand or zero. Um, we had web hits basically on the site, but yeah, it, it was uh, probably uh, in the tens of listeners. <laughs> I would guess. It sounds um, like us in our early streaming. Days. Yeah, yeah. 
No, we. The, I guess any big difference is we we know how few people are listening <laughs> to us. You 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 could believe that, yeah. I did have the joy of knowing we were listened to by Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, lawyers. However, how did you? How was that? Um, Figured out. So YouTube was not a thing yet, mm-hmm. and videos of television ads that Arnie had made in Japan had surfaced and. He made some very silly-looking ads for for I think it was for a pop of some kind, some kind of soda drink. Right. We hosted them. We talked about it on the radio show, of course. And then I got several cease and desist notices from several lawyers, actually, because there were a few other celebrities there. But so someone somewhere was listening, <laughs> I guess. And so that would have been all in the middle of what they call the dot com boom. It was, yeah. And. As we all know, booms are followed by busts. For me, I mean, the the first effect was my customers. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of folks. All these people you'd been building websites for. Right. And a goodly portion of them were built on the premise of either banner advertising, bringing in, bringing in advertising dollars. And the ad market was one of the first things to fall off. And that took a lot of my customers down. And if customers can't pay me, then I'm not paying my staff. So um, it, it shriveled. It was painful. Um, I, it was never really a major operation. I was focused on small and medium-sized business. Did a lot of local stuff. We did a lot of international too, but primarily it was local small business stuff. Really about, the, the thing about the internet and, and the web especially is the empowerment it gives everyone the level playing field because anyone can get on, right? Anyone can buy a nice microphone and, and broadcast to the world. And uh, that was particularly inspiring to me, and that was why I built the business, was to you know, give people who maybe didn't have the big dollars a means to get online and sell their stuff, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And uh, for sure, uh, and especially in New York, there was trickle down to a lot of local business, even if they weren't particularly e-commerce-based. Mm-hmm. And so it was somewhat of a recession, but specifically on the on the dot com bust and people who had you know paid twenty five thousand dollars for a domain name that now nobody wanted. Hmm. Uh, so people found themselves out of pocket quickly. And 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 was was that the was was that the primary problem? Was things were over in, things were overinflated in terms of what people thought they cost? Like I think that's I think maybe I might be wrong, but. I understand a re, uh, like property boom and bust pretty mm-hmm. clearly, but I think even with the dot-com boom, I'm not 100% sure I know. Well, there was manufactured scarcity through, there were very few domain names at the time. We didn't have all of the domain names that we have now. So dot-com, net, org. So it was, a, it was a land grab to get one of the very few available domain names. I remember one of my customers uh, went cuckoo for Cocoa Pops buying up domain names and I was flabbergasted and somewhat disgusted when uh, what was it something completely unusable networkmallcafe.com or something Uh, yeah exactly just just a a bunch of words strung together and and he would turn these over for tens of thousands of dollars so there was just this mark there was just this secondary market on people yeah. trading these things that they thought had value it wasn't like yeah, i mean these names were free for the longest time you just sent an email right but yeah if you got a good one you could turn that into a hundred thousand dollars i think shopping.com was the first million dollar domain 
sale. Never heard of it. Never been on that website million? ever. Oh, yes. What? That's oh, yes. Um, bonkers. How much do you think NewYorkWelsh.com was? <laughs> I actually know the answer to that. Oh, I'm curious. Can you say? I mean, I don't know if we even paid for it. I mean, it, I'm sure it's $30, $35. Yes, something like that. Uh, there's there's a larger market. Bucks. Yeah. yeah, there's a larger market now because right. uh, they keep sort of squeezing out new domain names, and then there's a land rush on those. And it's right, like, well, it's, it's like a lot of things. If you get it, if you get in on the ground floor, if you have that little head start on people, you make a lot of money. Like Bitcoin, <laughs> which I think did you you involved yourself with Bitcoin or, or uh, Bitcoin I'll, involved itself with you? I will um, answer very cautiously. You don't have to. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I want to be cautious about how much I... Uh... Don't worry. Nobody listens to this <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Certainly not anyone. Not even the Schwarzenegger's lawyers bother with this one. So I set myself uh, a project one time to prove that Bitcoin could not be used to run a business uh, because it had become such a speculative thing. And this this big argument still exists on Bitcoin. Is it gold or is it currency? Is it a store of value that you use to hedge and, and to grow wealth or is it currency that you use to buy and sell things? So I decided mm-hmm. to build a business that operated solely on Bitcoin to see whether or not it could be done, whether or not everything could be bought and sold and acquired using only Bitcoin, and if I could uh, manage the business with it never seeing any currency other than Bitcoin. So I set up a bookstore, and it did well. Uh, It did okay. Uh, We had some sales. It was up for probably a couple of years, and people got paid. And I want to say Bitcoin was trading at about a dollar or so at the time. And then I got bored, and it was more work than it was worth. And you know, I was sounds like a lot of time and energy just to prove a point. <laughs> yeah, and and I, you know, I I I sort of proved myself wrong uh, because I did get authors, and I was able to pay the bills with Bitcoin. And um, so I, I sort of put my tail between my legs and shut shop and walked away. And then some years later, because I sort of lost track and, and moved on to other things. But when it hit sort of 5,000 or 6,000 or something, I said, I think I have some of that. And um, then it went to 8 and 12 and 15. And so I really hunted for it and I found it. And um, well, there's something. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there was a bloke I read about in probably like the world online or something. It's from Newport. Oh. Yeah. You know the story of this poor guy. What is this guy? I don't know this. He, he's the owner of, at the time it was like 100 million pounds worth of Bitcoin. If you're saying it's 20,000 now, it's 200 million. And he'd thrown the hard drive out by accident. Mm-hmm. And it's in the bottom of the Newport landfill. <laughs> with, by this point, seven or eight years worth of rubbish on top of it. <laughs> the headline was... Oh, you know, he's very zen about it. He's very philosophical. But reading the quotes, you're like, no, he's not. This guy's guy's not okay. He's like, I have good days and bad days. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, wow. This made me sad, that story has. Shouldn't have said it. All right, well, let's cheer ourselves up. Um, (laughs) One of the things, before we move on, one of the things of the, you know, many forums and sites you've created, I read, or you you mentioned that... um, 
one of them had been investigated by the FBI at some point. I have to ask. Oh, several that. times. Sure. Is um, the same site or just many yes. sites? It's the same yes. site. Okay. The same site. Can you tell us what the site is? Yes, was. Was. Uh, it's another one that, that, that they won. closed down. <laughs> no, no. I actually, I, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute why I shut it. Um, I've always been fascinated with conspiracy theories and JFK and aliens and all that good stuff. Uh, I find the, the, the it's just hilarious to to explore lots of very fun thought experiments and whatnot, and of course the subterfuge and CIA and spies and all that good stuff. So, um, one of the very first websites that I built again, this is more of an exercise in trying things and building things and this was with um actually this was with the person who sold me coffee at the french deli that i ran in uh manhattan uh we 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 got to talking and we decided to write fake conspiracy theories and see if people would read them or believe them or pass them around the internet or whatever and so more uh, fake news more fake news detecting a theme there's a theme i'm I'm, (laughs) worried what i'm going to find out about myself today getting an idea for the the name for this episode (laughs) so uh what was it the counter illuminati agency was the website (laughs) the c the cia um the i was transposed with an exclamation mark in so the logo was c exclamation you didn't get that dot com domain no (laughs) cia.com was not available I think we ended up getting CIAgents.com or something like that, which did sell for some money later. Um, So started off with fake, you know, Henry Kissinger dressed up as a chicken in Midtown conspiracy theories. (laughs) Big ticket stuff. Yeah. And it it was was a laugh, but it, it started attracting some folks. So one of the things that I decided to do which sounds quite normal now, but was not then, was to offer free anonymous email accounts. And there was not a lot of that at the time. Certainly not free, uh, either not free or not anonymous, but I offered uh, free anonymous email accounts to anyone who wanted one. And when you say anonymous, you mean they, they were untraceable? or Well, everything no- is traceable. Right. Don't kid yourself on that one. But I didn't ask anyone for their personal information you could sign up uh no questions asked um and that grew Uh, i i I think we had we had had over twenty thousand users uh using the service which is a big number for a free um one-man show to be running and paying no attention to it whatsoever you know Uh, we talk about like the embarrassing old email address Imagine if someone's email address right now was Gideon Jensen at CIAgents.com. Hey, you're not one to speak, Mr. Hotmail. Mr. Hotmail. Although I've got a theory. I reckon they're going to come back. I reckon it's going to be like the way like, you know, like fashion brands like come back. Flares. Like, yeah. Someone's, no, it's, it's, I reckon they'll be like, all the hipsters, like you, you, got, you got AOL. Like you got an AOL, you're like, yeah, that's lit. Uh, your like, email is so retro. Yeah. You got a retro email. B- BTinternet.com. Yeah. Exactly. You got a you got a you got a Napster. Like you really is it Napster? Napster was the music was sharing the, music. Net NetSuite. NetSuite, I don't know. Throwing out names just, here. Yeah. Just you should register these this, this is exactly by the way how people made money in the late nineties was just throwing out names. NetSuite Nap. <laughs> Buy it. 
<laughs> so, point being, um, innocent, naive, little jazz uh, had never heard of um, FBI or NSA surveillance in any sort of reality with plenty of documents professing knowledge of big brother surveillance but the truth was and remains that the united states government can and does read every single email in the country and is, and is that now because i just to digress a second but from what i understand there was a obviously after september the 11th there was a, a moment at which the government went into this back door into people's and, and was granted greater access? Or are you saying that there's always been that kind of access? They always had the access. Right. Um, post 9-11, they had greater legal right to do so. Right. But the access was always there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, they read every single email on that service. And by they, I mean some machine, mm-hmm. right? Reading uh, all the text. And... Anytime an email contained, I don't know, two or three flag words, I would have two suits in my office the next day. But you're just the host in sight. Well, you for? The, the laws around who had what responsibility back then were still being figured out in the courts. So, for example, with those links uh, to, to Arnold Schwarzenegger's videos, there were court battles over whether the link constituted content or not. Mm. And the, the first fights were... Can I make you take down a link to something that you don't have that's infringing copyright? That was one of the first big fights on the internet was, am I breaching your copyright by linking to someone who's breaching right. your copyright? Right. And what did they decide? Thankfully, no. Yeah. But it Let's was close. You know? That's a freedom, because suddenly if you're sharing an important piece of information in that, that yeah, the I, precedent that that would set. Google News. Right. You know, the yeah. newspapers went after Google News on the premise that they were linking to content that they weren't supposed to. Because stop linking to my content, I want people to read, made sense for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, the FBI would come by and uh, ask for information about various users from time to time. And uh, I didn't have any to give them. But I certainly became much more aware of their capabilities. How did that conversation go? Uh, Well, the first one I don't really remember, but most of them were like, what's the username? (laughs) And go through that. I don't have any information. Um, It's free and anonymous. It's free and anonymous. I don't don't know. They they would ask for IP addresses, um, and I would ask for a subpoena, and then that would be the end of the conversation, mostly. Probably because they, I don't know, maybe they didn't have the legal right to actually construct that investigation i really don't know but they sure came in asking so there's definitely a theme with with you um in terms of like computers and the internet and and what have you is this something you were interested in when you were younger Mm. yes um yes very much so i'm trying to think how that might have started yeah maybe actually maybe you could as a way of answering that question give give the listeners a little background on kind of where actually you you came from in in wales and sure yeah, uh, i was born in aspati duisant in cardiff uh but i was i was raised i grew up in connected valor in south Glamorgan. um there are two council estates i lived on both of them and 
went to school. I was called Sainichet and, and the, the comprehensive in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, there was, there was some very scarce access to computers at the time. There was uh, uh, the Atari 2600 with the cartridge, sort of a, 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 a wood veneer-looking device, and you put a game cartridge in the top. And the and Atari, like, that's... The ones you've got to blow in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so there were one or two of those in the village. And, uh, you know, you, had, you used to have to load the computer program off of a cassette tape. And uh, it would make these screeching noises, and it would take a good 20, 30 minutes to load the program into the computer. So playing a game on a computer involved planning what you would play while the game was loading, so Subutio or something. Wow. You know, in the, in the downtime while you're in the background. I don't really recall when I first started trying to, to program. Um, and then, you know, I was in the first year when the school switched from O-levels, as was, to the GCSE thing. Um, so I was the first year that took GCSEs, which meant my options year, which, you know, you, you go into, what is that, fourth year mm-hmm. in school, in comprehensive. Uh, the school was so proud, they had uh, six of these computers in a computer lab in a room. And it was a regular classroom with, you know, the desks and the inkwells. And at the back uh, were these computers. And you see the four or six of them in the back there. And you would get up from your desk and go have your programming time on the computer. But they were so, I I guess, self-enamored of of having this new ability to teach computer science that they added computer science to the page on the options for sciences, right? You have to take a science options here, chemistry, biology, or physics. And they put computer science on the same page. And I was an asshole child. I was a geek nerd, too smart for my own good, asshole. And so I immediately put computer science, not because I was particularly interested, but because they were dumb enough to put it on the page as if it were one of the science options. I knew full well it wasn't. And then found myself in this computer science class and actually learning it. I really enjoyed it. And I ended up writing a video library software program for the video library in the village. And uh, I, I don't know. It just it, it, it always worked well. I enjoyed it. Uh, never thought it would be a job of any kind. Uh, my dad at that point was a window cleaner, and I was going to be a window cleaner. But um, Working with up. windows. There you go. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Nicely done. That's good. Um, but yeah, so growing up in the in the you know it's a small village town, six thousand people. Um, didn't get out of the village much. Uh, I had a relatively insulated childhood because my parents were Jehovah's Witnesses of all things, and uh, so. We didn't have a computer in the house, but there was access to them through school and the occasional visit to a friend's house who had one. And that just stuck with me. And, uh, you know, even when I went to to France and when I came to the States, I tried my best to get my hands on a computer and, and play with them. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, I found myself in New York in 1996, capable of using a computer. Hey, <laughs> I mean, what a time to be alive. Exactly. Now, before we wrap up, obviously, one thing we must discuss is Toot. 
Toot. <laughs> Toot. Uh, which is obviously the social media network that you founded. Um, to, and I'm paraphrasing you here, to encourage bilingualism online, but also to promote a more private social media experience. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it, but also kind of what motivated you to launch it in the first place? Sure. Um, so back in the 90s, um, when we were out there creating the internet and what it could be and should be, uh, one of the things I did was build a lot of communities, uh, both silly ones around uh, conspiracy theories, but, you know, we, had a, uh, we helped build a, a really well-received online community for, for women suffering from uh, early menopause, for example. And I watched folks who were alone or uh, had trouble maybe communicating with their near and dear ones find their 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 way to sharing their their experience their pain their joys their hobbies whatever uh with this new global community that hadn't existed before and i i took great pride and great joy in in being part of that community building whether it was around video games or you know medical ailments or or aliens whatever so I have a long history in online community stuff, uh, both the technology for it and the creation and moderation of it, what works, what doesn't. And as uh, the internet dinosaur, you know, that watched blogs and vlogs and podcasting come up, uh, we watched some of our stuff get torn down. You know, we had the freedom of Napster and file sharing and, and a, a real sense of community on the early web, which has since been stripped away by corporate culture uh, and the, the big the big players, the Facebook, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and, and all the, the good and the bad that comes with that. And, and I, I, other than Facebook, I think everyone else has a right to do what they want. Facebook is evil. Don't use Facebook. Um. Which includes Instagram and WhatsApp. Well, at this point, yeah. It's just a horrible, horrible company. But point being, um, as I mentioned, I like to have an impossible project. And having sort of reconnected to the Welsh community here, you know, when I moved out to Long Island, I, I just stopped really being part of, of New York and, and the few folks that I did know. And having reconnected through Echted and Cantor uh, Gwailad, the restaurant, and, and then from that, the New York Welsh and everything, um, it just rekindled a lot of those feelings of, of uh, missing Wales, missing the language, missing the culture, um, and knowing full well that I have these tools at my disposal to do something about that. And at the same time, being the curmudgeonly guy that won't use Facebook. Why aren't you on Facebook? I'm, you know, I have my curmudgeonly answers as to why I don't use Facebook. But I miss that social aspect of the web. And I think, uh, you know, it, it really is something that catapulted the web into the human consciousness and into um, this egalitarian uh, freedom of access to publishing, to communicating, to communing with folks across language space and time right you can get online and talk to someone in china or, or australia or wherever mm. 
space even, right? You can talk to the folks on the space shuttle or the sta- space station. They've stopped returning my calls. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I had had a few thoughts around building a more retrospectively um, community-based platform of some kind and i tried building something where you could build your own family facebook kind of thing your own family social network and and i would be either self-hosted or sand sandboxed so only your family could see it but you could post things and your family could see things and uh, i tried a few different bits and pieces with that but nothing really struck my fancy um and all the while, while I'm ruining my lack of um, use of, of the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter and all of those social media options, I'm also watching the news and the, the cyberbullying and the lack of privacy and, and um, just the, the corporate cultures around how much folks are blindfolded about what's happening with their content that they're giving mm. to these massive multinationals. Right, because you're not on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram because you're a Luddite. You're on it for a very different reason, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, you're not on it, sorry, for a very different reason. Right, and, you know, I do have a Twitter account, uh, and I am in technology, and I am in healthcare, so I, I certainly am in business, so... To some degree, I must avail myself um, a little. But on a personal level, I I would never share personal details of my life with, with Zuckerberg or his employees. I just wouldn't. I know what they do with it. Hmm. Um, I don't want that done to my personal information. I don't want to reduce myself to a, a set of 2,000 data points that can be sold willy-nilly. And I, I don't know if you know this, but there are hundreds of companies who have thousands of data points on you and they will sell them with your name to anyone who wants. And I've been offered these for sale in healthcare. Uh, you know, part of my job is reducing opioid addiction, right? So, well, certain companies are willing to sell me thousands of data points on people who just had an opioid uh, prescription. And now I can know if they're having a divorce or if they're overdue on their car payment or you know, all of these things. And I, I, I don't like it. Mm. I don't like it. So I found myself simultaneously wanting, uh, still wanting to build the social network platform that I would use. I only want to build the one that I would use. Um, I want to reduce the, the, the cyberbullying, the lack of personal moderation, community moderation, which is how the web grew up. You had moderators. You had people. It was a community. It wasn't trying to be a billion people. It just needed to be, you know, 10,000, 50,000, a good number where mm. you kind of knew who was there and why they were there and, and how to manage that. And it was somewhat self-regulated at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so at the same time as that and this sort of rekindled um, lost love of, of Welsh community and, and sort of finding that New York had, in my absence, blossomed this amazing uh, uh, community of, of, of New York Welsh and Welsh visitors and, and all of that. Um, right around then, I learned of uh, a chap in Germany who 
thought very much the same way I did, and he had actually written some software. That is that. It's self-hosted. You take your own thing. You host it. Um, it's the one that you have for the folks that join that one, but they can all talk to each other. So there's a federated interconnectedness of these self-managed networks, and that just really sang to me. Hmm. Um, so, it's so, like a, so it's like a, a federation of different different communities. So you'll build two whales, but there'll be other... Mm-hmm. platforms with different names yeah there's a sci-fi one there's a scottish one there's a you know tabletop gaming one there's a one for furries there's everything right they, yeah. and then there are varying sizes ma'am don't google what a furry is <laughs> <laughs> the first thing i did was built a twitter alternative so it's microblogging. uh it's you know 500 characters you can attach images, sound, video, but it's 500 characters, uh, very much like Twitter in its interface and in its style. But the software itself is built specifically to inhibit and discourage bullying uh, through various mechanisms of the technology. So, for example, when you uh, retweet something on Twitter, you can add your commentary. And this is a, a known vector for attack to find something you disagree with, to retweet it and add your invective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the software we use for toot, uh, you can't do that. All you can do is boost it. You can retweet it. Um, but the only thing that that signals to the larger network is that you want more people to see that. Mm. You can't attach your comment to it, for good or for bad. Uh, but those decisions were made in the technology and the underpinnings of the infrastructure of the way that the messaging works to uh, ensure or to inhibit, uh, you know, derogatory content or any kind of bullying, that kind of thing. So the software worked for me. It is the kind of thing I would use. I needed uh, a hook, and I could have used sci-fi or furries, but uh, I was, you know, in the middle of this Welsh resurgence in New York and thought, why don't I do that? Why don't I hook it to um, bilingualism? You know, the... The current 2050 goal of a million speakers back home, um, their sort of rejuvenation of the Welsh language is something that's okay to want to do. It was very different when I was a kid. Um, And I thought maybe I could be a part of that, you know, Mm. add add a little bit of impetus to that um, and see where it went. So I started with a Twitter alternative. I had to do some things to the software to make it work the way I wanted to, but uh we you know the name toot uh it's a little akin to twitter it's a little akin to a derogatory word which makes it more fun to see if it can be successful um you love a challenge don't you i do i do i do um my brother and i said what's it called what what um toot sweet toot driver the engine it just there was a you know duty it's too close to too many things for it not to be a fun word to use. So, uh, so Tut Comedy is. It started off as a as a, a, a Twitter clone, if you will, um, with the express intent of something that is very near and dear to me, which is bilingual conversation, wherein um, I, sh- you know, if if I can talk to you in English and you can talk to me in Welsh and we both understand each other, that should be fine. And, you know, as a French speaker, I like to speak to uh, my nephew in French, and he speaks to me in English. 
we're both doing a terrible job of it, mm. but we both get to um, you know exhibit the respect for the language, practice the language, uh, and learn ourselves and wrap ourselves in that bilingualism that I think is um, something that would really help us back home uh, because uh, and obviously I've been away for so long that I may not be the most informed on this but coming up in 80s Wales um, you either spoke Welsh or you didn't and there was a separation of that and uh, there was an us and a them to that and you know of course then pepper in all of the English thoughts and feelings about walking into the pub and suddenly everyone's speaking Welsh because you walked into the pub that old chestnut so I really wanted a platform that would encourage you to post in the language of your choice and accept being replied to in the language of the replier's choice hmm. if that makes sense so mm-hmm. um I just thought if we if we could achieve that with a good platform and a good set of community guidelines around the use of the software, that would be an interesting experiment. So, and is, trans- so is translation built into it? No, not at all. all. Right. Uh, and you know, some of the early folks that I spoke to really wanted translation built I thought in. That's where you were going with this? No, oh. I kind of specifically don't want that. I could, I very much could. Um, because I'm focused on the Welsh-English bilingualism rather than everyone talking in every language, in which case I would absolutely need translation. Um, but as as a, you know, sputtering Welsh speaker, I, I have you know, enough words to maybe get a sandwich and a beer. Watching folks who have joined post in Welsh forces me to take a longer look at those words, identify the words I don't know, maybe infer from context, maybe go look it up myself, or maybe wait for someone else to reply and get some context. But I, that, that mm. getting those juices flowing is what I'm trying to achieve there. If I could just click the button and have it translated with a machine, ah, that's not what I'm trying to achieve. I so, could do So it, it acts as a learning tool. Bit of a learning tool, bit of a, this is welcome and isn't a problem and isn't it isn't a thing i don't want it to be a thing i don't want it to be oh look someone's speaking welsh on the Mm. internet i want it to just be normal and looking at the 2050 goal i wanted to also make something available where um younger folk maybe who are coming in as welsh learners and maybe their family aren't welsh speakers Mm. um but uh, you know, you need to be able to exercise that, those linguistic muscles somewhere. So I thought maybe here would be a good spot for that. Um, so it's it's loosely a little bit cyberbullying, a little bit etiquette, a little bit community, a little bit bilingual, a little bit Welsh. You know, I'm certainly on there posting up the rugby a storm. So uh, I want it to become whatever it wants to become. I, I just wanted to push push the rock and see where it landed. Since launching. Uh, we've also added long form, so you can now sign up for your own proper blog, like a full-length blog. That's another software platform that is now in the network. Uh, and an Instagram alternative, which uh, we haven't officially launched, but it's there. You could start using it. We're just finishing up the apps now. 
Okay, and are these separate apps, or are they all within the same app? They're all separate apps because, again, uh, the underlying goal is for you to be able to use the internet in the way that most appeals to you. I don't need to know that you did this over here and that over there. So these are all separate but federated. So your uh, pictures, your Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, pics.toot.wales, um, can federate to the to the toot platform right so if i'm following you on toot i'll see your pictures on toot i don't have to go there and sign up for you there and follow you there and, and generate likes and follows and all that nonsense it's so, the, just a so, way to, so you can interact with the platform that's friendly for you but it will be distributed across the different platforms is yes right? and the the federation platform itself at large is about two and a half million folks right now and growing as more people sort of peel off from the the big multinationals from the, the the you know facebook instagram and the rest of it and are looking for something where they can maybe express themselves a bit more safely or just feel like they're part of a more defined community than just being another number in the big machine so right. and, and what, so, so give us that because you've kind of covered some of the benefits but what's your give us your like pitch for one of a better word but like what, what what's the argument that you would give for 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 doing that for saying no to the to a facebook and yes to something that is you know effectively moderated by something that isn't working in the interests of large big business and um you know it has that added level of privacy so a really good request and and points out to me that I should probably craft a pitch. Um, I hope it speaks for itself to the folks who are looking. I wouldn't want to entice or attract folks who weren't looking for that. It would probably be the wrong people to bring in. Because it's, it's too early. Do you think at this point, like there's a it's, momentum it's that, that needs to be built? I can't. I, I'm not, you know, I grew up in a very proselytizing religious background. I'm not going to religiously proselytize to you. If I need to convince you that you'd better off not surrendering your data to a large corporation then you're not there yet and i you know there's there's nothing inherently wrong with what one is doing if one is using facebook uh, and one can continue to use facebook for sure um but the pitch is we have a community with very clear guidelines very clear um prohibitions on certain forms of content and we are actively seen to be moderating to that. Um, and the folks who have joined and have participated and have seen us moderate that content away are very grateful for it. So the pitch is if you're looking for somewhere that's a bit more cozy, a bit more comfortable online, has a sense of space and, and home and feel, um, then swing by and check it out. And if it works for you, stay. And if it doesn't, don't. Mm. Toot dot Wales, T O O T dot Wales. Come by and check it out. I thought it was T W T. Well, uh, there's Toot dot Cymru, T W T dot Cymru. One of the impossible projects was registering a domain name with a circumflex in it. Yeah, very <laughs> difficult. It turns out. Yeah, and we'll link we'll link to everything um, in the in the show notes as yes. well. So good idea. But yeah, we uh, Toot dot Cymru or Toot dot Wales. Thank you for that and thank you for coming thank you for inviting me it's been a blast it has thanks so much until next time cheers well we hope you enjoyed listening and if you did then please subscribe and leave us a review as long as it's positive 
the more people review the show, the more people will get to hear the show. Yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. The email is podcast at newyorkwelsh.com or you can contact us through any of the socials. Both our Instagram and Twitter are at newyorkwelsh. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest goings on, you can do so by subscribing to the monthly newsletter on our website, newyorkwelsh.com. Oh,